You're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. We're the tech podcast for technophobes. My name's Christian Corley and with me this week is Gavin Phillips. Uh, welcome back, Gavin. How are you doing? Yes, very well, Christian. Looking forward to the holiday period starting, kids off school and uh, all the good stuff that comes with that. How about yourself? You're pretty much the same. Uh, get, getting on top of work so I can take some time off. And um, we, although uh, this podcast will launch uh, in the um, 13th, 14th, 15th, it's probably the 16th this week, the 15th or 16th of December, this podcast is, uh, is going to drop. And usually at Christmas time, we stop. But I've actually got two more podcasts in the bag that will go out uh, next week, just before Christmas, and the week after, just before New Year. So that's kind of exciting, isn't it? First time we've that. Is, that is, yeah. Keeping on the air during the Christmas period. Nice. Yes, absolutely. And I've spoken to Gavin and various other guest hosts of the Really Useful Podcast, and uh, we'll hear what they have to say about various topics in those shows. Now, this week, we're talking about a very particular topic, namely... The Dark Web. Absolutely. And it is a topic that you've probably heard of from reading newspapers, watching the news. You might have seen it mentioned on Facebook. It might be something that gives you particular cause for concern because it sounds dangerous and dirty and dank and unattractive and unappealing and somewhere that you shouldn't go to. And in some ways that is true, but in other ways that is kind of, the, the normal web as well. So now I'm someone who's only dabbled. Dabbled with darkness. Sounds like an Iron Maiden track, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, I'm someone who's only dabbled with the dark web. Um, Gavin, you know a little bit more about it than I do. So I, I think for, um, for our listener who is a technophobe or is more inclined to be phobic than uh, uh, the, the, the opposite, um, <laughs> The dark web. Is it is it as bad as it sounds? Um, I think as you alluded to there, Christian, you're absolutely right. It, it, it's a bit of a mixed bag. There's a lot of stuff on the, the dark web that you, you wouldn't want to run into. Um, but one of the common misconceptions of the dark web is that as soon as you say, log into the dark web, you're, you're going to be confronted with all manner of horrific content and um, you know, you won't be able to avoid uh, some of the more nefarious sides of the dark web. Um, when in fact, the the more horrific stuff that you do hear about um, in the news and what have you, you, you do have to kind of more search it out, if, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of that really nasty stuff is actually... Um, hidden behind, um, you know, login walls um, and paywalls and what have you. It's not like it's there as a free service uh, that people are giving away. Um, you have to create accounts. You may have to be invited to even create an account on a specific service by an existing user. So um, you're not going to be immediately confronted with all this horrific stuff. Um, that is not to say that it isn't there, uh, and that's also not to say that if you uh, 
Um, if you went looking for it, you probably would find it, if you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the dark web, uh, you you can't access it through your normal browser. That's one of the saving graces. Yeah. Uh, your your regular internet browser, Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge, etc., doesn't have the uh, correct configuration to access the websites on the dark web. That's because the dark web is what's known as an overlay network. It's um, it's a network on top of a network. You can only access it using special software. Uh, the most common bit of software that most people use is called the Tor browser, which is for the onion router uh, and websites on the dark web again they're not they don't use the same configuration as the websites uh, on the regular internet so the regular internet you type in facebook.com and it whooshes you through to facebook.com using what's called the domain name system we're not going to get into that but that, that's what it's called if you want to look that up yourselves then there's some good reads on makeusoft.com. But if you tried that in the Tor browser, well, A, it would take you to the regular, it would take you to the regular website, facebook.com, but uh, onion addresses don't look like, you know, facebook.com or, or makeusoft.com. Mm. Onion addresses are 16 characters long. And in those 16 characters, there's 32 possible character combinations for each individual character, which means there are 1 septillion, 208 sextillion, 925 quintillion, 819 quadrillion, and so on and so on, <laughs> uh, potential onion addresses. Wow. That's a lot. It is a lot. It's a substantial amount. But of those addresses, most of them aren't in use. And sure. of the addresses that are in use, most of them are hosting garbage. You know, just people have thrown up something that only needs to exist for for 12 hours a day, for a week at a time. Or it's hosting something extremely private, specific to a single person. They're hosting a service or a server that only they are using. So a lot of stuff on the dark web isn't accessible by anyone other than the owner of the, the service. The dark web itself, why is it called the dark web? What is dark about it? Is it evil or is it just hidden? Well, the name dark web definitely comes from the fact that it's it's hidden. Mm. It's, it's off the map, you know. I mean, I guess you could infer that it is a bit evil from the name. It's definitely in the name uh, and it has a strong association with hackers and you hear about the online markets selling all manner of nefarious types of goods and as i was saying before they, they definitely do exist you know they're, they're there and you can find them yourselves but that's not the reason it's called the dark web there are various websites on the dark web as you say and some are good and some are bad now if you're going to go to the trouble of accessing the dark web then you should probably be armed with a bit of foreknowledge of what you're going to look at. As you, as Gavin alluded to, there are websites on the dark web that are equivalent to those on uh, the, the the clear net part of the the web, uh, that there's sort of the everyday internet, and uh, we've got a nice uh, list of them. They're the best dark w websites you won't find on Google. 
there's a list that we've uh, produced here. You'll find it in the show notes alongside everything else that we discuss in the really useful podcast. And I'm just going to run through them quickly. There is the hidden wiki, which is a sort of a, a wiki site. Very, very useful to uh, have access to that. And it t- tells you uh, quite a lot of interesting information. There is Facebook. There is Soylent News. There's ProPublica, um, another news outlet. There's DuckDuckGo. Everyone should be using DuckDuckGo. In fact, we should really do a really useful podcast just about DuckDuckGo because they, the, the way DuckDuckGo can revolutionize your privacy is um, never overstated enough. Galaxy 3, which is another social network. Hidden Answers, which is a kind of a question-answer site. There's many of them uh, on the internet. Uh, MailTutor, which is an email system. Uh, Onion Domain, which lets you host your own Onion website and tor links which is an alternative to the hidden wiki and i mean these are 10 dark web websites that you will probably find useful however um it's arguable that you may not actually want to use the dark web because well most of the stuff that you do want to use you're already using and it's in the the nice happy bright outside version of the internet in sunlight isn't that right yeah absolutely one of the biggest draws of the dark web for many people is that it affords you extra privacy while browsing. So in the example we've been using for Facebook, so you've got Facebook on the open clearnet, facebook.com, and then you have Facebook which exists on the dark web, on the Tor network, uh, and it has its own onion URL, as we were saying earlier. Um, you can read that in the article that uh, Christian was just referencing. I'm not going to read it out because it's a bit of a jumble. <laughs> And the difference is that if you were, say, in a country that had heavily restricted internet access, you could fire up the Tor browser and go to the Onion URL of Facebook and access Facebook through that because Tor network is largely free of government censorship. So you could download the browser and access Facebook and find your friends or or updated news that may be being censored in that country. The similar services as well. So like the BBC News uh, has a has a, a, an onion address. And as, as Christian said there in the article there, ProPublica, ProPublica has a clear net address as well, but they also run this onion site so that people can access it from wherever in the world uh, and be free of government censorship. We're obviously um, interested in censorship and the, the avoidance of it. Is the dark web is that less, less of a destination for criminal enterprises and more a destination for people trying to avoid government censorship i think yeah in the last few years it's definitely grown as Mm -hmm. we've seen you know various governments around the world try and censor their citizens especially in places where you know when there is a government uprising from the citizens they tend to switch certain parts of the internet off you know you saw in turkey a few years back didn't they they tried to censor google and censor facebook so people were writing People writing different DNS addresses on the walls and mm-hmm. people were also sending messages around advising people to use Tor browser because they could escape the, the, the censorship that was yeah. trying to be levied. The Dark Web is otherwise pretty easy to access, but it's probably wise to do it anonymously and safely if you are going to go down that route, because there are ways of being identified on the dark web if you're just going straight in and then using 
a network that you already use. I mean, if you're going to use Facebook on the dark web, you're going to sign into Facebook, aren't you? So, I mean, at least Facebook themselves, they know that you're accessing Facebook via the dark web, don't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a really big common misconception with uh, the dark web Tor browser. But that's also a misconception that extends to VPNs as well. Yeah. You know, people think that as soon as you turn on your VPN, you're completely anonymous to the world. And while it does provide a degree of anonymity, if you sign into Facebook or if you post a tweet or, or whatever, those networks still know it's you. The only difference is they don't know exactly where you are. That's that's the big difference. You know, it's still you making the tweet or posting about your cats on Facebook or whatever. So and that's the same for the dark web you can log into these services the only difference is it won't be traced back to you sitting at your computer in your house so there are uh, various ways to access the dark web safely and anonymously uh, again the links will to this list will be in the show notes so start by using a vpn to access the dark web that's the first thing that you should do various vpn services will provide dark web access uh, express vpn and cyberghost among them you should also download the tor browser from the official tor browser website this may not be possible in the situation that Gavin mentioned earlier on. If there is like a government clampdown and internet services disconnected, you may find that the Tor browser's official location isn't reachable, which is probably a good reason to have it installed just in case, or at least have it downloaded to your system. It's available for Windows, it's available for Mac, it's available for Linux. I believe there's a version for Android as well. Uh, you should take standard security precautions that you would normally use when using the internet don't give too much away don't engage in conversation with people don't sign into accounts and also it's also wise to um, close other apps on your machine and stop unnecessary services from running you can install something called tails which is the amnesiac incognito live system it's a debian based version of linux that you basically launch from a usb stick or dvd and it's a sort of like single session activity Everything you do on it is immediately deleted and forgotten about. That's useful. And number five, you should know where you're going while you're using it. Our list that we gave you earlier and using the hidden wiki in particular can uh, help you get started in the deep web and using Tor and the dark web, big band and using Tor. And the cryptocurrency for all your transactions is a wise thing to do. Um, now I mentioned that, I was going to save it for later. But what is the difference between the deep web and the dark web, Gavin? Oh, yeah, that's another uh, really common misconception because the words um, for a long time were used sort of interchangeably in the in the news, which created quite a bit of confusion. Mm. So the, the deep web actually refers to sites whose contents aren't indexed by search engines. So think stuff like... Uh, academic databases, uh, scientific reports, medical records, legal documents, things like that, stuff that you can only get to if you are part of the service, signed up to the service. So for medical records of you, stuff that's, you know, is available online, but only if you are a medical professional and you can log into the service and what have you. So that's the deep web. And the deep web makes up a unfathomably large amount of of the internet it's you know tens of times larger than than the clear net it's just you know terabytes of information but it's just it's useless to most people if if you have no reason to look at it and so then the dark web as i was saying earlier is an overlay network uh, and it refers to the series of uh, anonymous websites that exist together 
uh, within that specific network. Sure, thank you. Now, it's also probably worth noting, and we, we, we have you know, we've danced around it, it is a dangerous place, the dark web, in terms of the content that is available there. There are hackers that you probably know about in the world, and they make a living from invading accounts, stealing accounts, we're talking about bank accounts, PayPal accounts, company accounts, all sorts of methods that can be used for making money. Now, these accounts, they might be bought and sold and traded on the dark web. So you've probably heard of an, an occasion when, say, a, an airline or a bank or a real estate company, mortgage company, have had vast numbers of customer accounts stolen. What happens is in these situations and situations where a single individual has had their credit card details stolen, these are compiled into databases and they're then traded uh, between gangs and individuals who have dishonest aims. There are many ways in which accounts can be sold on the dark web and that we have got a great list of what you should be aware of. I mean, this, the dark web is where these things take place, these, these transactions take place. So financial and personal accounts, email accounts, just standard email accounts, dating profiles, compromised Netflix accounts and similar services, adult website accounts, PayPal accounts. These can all be bought and sold on the dark web. Now, there's nothing you can do about this unless you have dishonest aims yourself, but you can stop your accounts from being sold by ensuring, as best you can, that your details are kept secure. Now, obviously, if your data is stored with a third party, Keeping them secure is going to be a little bit trickier, but ensuring you're using a secure password and using two-factor authentication to make sure that you are aware of when your accounts are being accessed. Uh, notifications that you can set up, uh, email and text message alerts, for instance, can also help. I mean, th this whole buying, selling marketplace of data, this is one of the, the, the key bogeyman news item things about the dark web that people know about already isn't it yeah definitely uh with the amount of data breaches we see and the, the volume of them the sheer the sheer scale of them is is quite difficult to imagine as well i had a good fact but i can't remember exactly so i'm going to butcher it for the sake of this <laughs> um i think it was something like the wikipedia the english version of wikipedia is only 15 or 20 gigabytes in in total size um and you think of all the information that's available on on wikipedia but you hear about these data breaches that run into hundreds of gigabytes in size Ooh. but most of the entries in these data breaches are just very small text files that contain you know your name your date of birth your passport number your social security number you know a very 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 small amount of text that takes up a few kilobytes so when you extrapolate that into the size of hundreds of gigabytes, you realize quite how many records these are holding on you. So when they say a data breach has happened and they have found traces of the data breach on the dark web, it's that someone has taken all of those records, hundreds, if not millions of records, and has, has put them up on a on a hacking forum and there are a lot of these types of hacking forums underground and they're and they're just up for sale to the highest bidder and it's not even always the highest bidder it's just you can just buy a copy of it yeah. so anybody can buy a copy of it if you've got the money you know and they get passed around quite easily it's very very worrying we obviously put a lot of trust in financial institutions governments to 
protect the data that they have on us. But quite often, certainly, I don't want to make any generalizations here, but governments are more inclined to take the cheapest option for technical support and security steps being taken. Whereas um, I, th I think private companies are more inclined these days towards paying money to protect the data because down the line it's going to lead to disaster that could basically kill the business. It is, I think, sad that we don't have more access, more, more control over our data. But I think, do you, I mean, we, we may get away from the point of the podcast, but I think it's probably relevant with other podcasts that we've done recently. Is blockchain technology something that can help standard users keep their data protected or at least keep notified about the condition and the location of their data? Um, in some ways it could, yeah. But um, I think as far as keeping hold of your data that's already out there, it's going to be hard to translate that yeah. onto a technology like blockchain. And using blockchain as an all-encompassing term is tricky, but there are services like um, Civic, which is a it's like a personal identification blockchain, and you can use it to you you put your credentials on the blockchain, and whenever you say would sign up for a service online, it would validate your credentials one to one between your app and the blockchain itself. And there'd never be any reason for you to have to put in your credentials fresh on another site and yet another site and yet another site as, as you have to do these days. So as a practical application, that it is really good, but the technology just isn't quite there yet for like mass rollout for people. So Gavin, we've, um, we've, we've, we've covered various aspects of the dark web and we have kind of danced around this topic a little bit of uh, the good and the bad of the dark web there's various misconceptions about the dark web yeah absolutely yeah i mean the dark web myths are kind of rampant really aren't they you know the, the tales of well i don't want to get into the really horrific uh, myths that you hear about um i guess we'll start off with a really easy one um okay. one of the biggest myths is that access to the dark web is illegal um and that that in itself is a myth the dark web illegal however in certain countries around the world the use of encrypted technology such as the tor browser um is illegal so you could fall foul of that so uh, China is a prime example of that. Tor browser and the Tor network is, is banned in, in China. If you use it there and you're caught, you could get into trouble. And uh, similar situations in Turkey, Iraq, North Korea, um, places with uh, you know questionable government uh, records. Uh, another common misconception is that all cybercrime takes place on the dark web, um, which is interesting as well because the ClearNet itself you know the regular internet is massively massively bigger than the dark web yeah you know way more crime takes place on the regular internet than the dark web ever could 
the crime that takes place on the dark web is, I would say, is far more uh, specific and specialized um, in terms of on the clear web, you're more likely to run into things like, you know, phishing scams, uh, malware, you know, mm-hmm. th- things like that. Whereas cybercrime on the dark web, you know, it's more like the sale of yes. illicit, illicit yeah. goods and, and that sort of stuff, you know. Well, it's not but even it's a also, practical comparison, saying, yeah. is it? Because there's, if, if, if all the cybercrime took place on the dark web, there would hardly be any cybercrime. Yes, exactly. Because the number of users on the dark web, again, is, is really small. You know, for all of the, the press that it gets when, when bad things happen, the number of users is, you know, is still only in the millions, you know, a, a few million, you know, it, it's really a very small number yeah. compared to the billions of people on the regular internet. Sure. I guess that one sort of leads into the next myth is that the dark web is massive. And as we were saying just a moment ago, the clear net is, is much bigger. Um, but the biggest bit is the deep web, which we were talking about a moment ago, which is the bit with all the academic records and, you know, hidden banking portals and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. The deep web accounts for the largest amount of the internet as we know it, but you just can't see it or access it. Well, the only bits you access are like, you know, your online banking portal. So, so we know that accessing the dark web is not illegal. And we know that it is used by cyber criminals, but just in the same way that the main part of the internet is used by cyber criminals. And we also know that there are some useful things in the dark web. Now, the big question is, I suppose, at this stage, do we need the dark web, really? Uh, I, I would say yes, definitely. It's an important service for many, many people. Mm-hmm. If you are living in places with you know, government oppression, then... It could be an absolute lifeline, even if you are just more privacy concerned in Western countries. You know, we've had the revelations about, you know, government spying schemes and all that that sort of stuff in the last five to 10 years. So if you if you're privacy minded, you might want to use the Tor browser over over other options. Uh, The Tor browser itself isn't the best daily driver for internet access because of the way it's configured it breaks certain bits of websites yeah. and it makes certain parts of uh, websites just completely useless um but for many people like i said it, it, it's a very important tool to remaining online and remaining secure online so there you have it ladies and gentlemen the dark web is there it's available for you to use if you have privacy concerns for your location, then it might be the option that you need to use the internet access services without detection. Hopefully we've managed to answer all your questions about the dark web, distinguish it from the deep web for you, explain how it's different from the standard web that we use day to day. And now you know how to access it and what to look for during your first visit there you're listening to the really useful podcast the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com you find us on apple podcasts and google podcasts and amazon podcasts or amazon music podcasts i'm not sure what that one's called at the moment and spotify and indeed anywhere else that you can find podcasts
Until next time, it's goodbye from us. <laughs>